Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today we're going to be talking about an extremely interesting topic, near death in childhood. Premier investigator PMH Atwater, LHD, has delved into the mysterious stories of near-death experiences had by children and infants. What difference does such an experience make to a child? Are there certain definable characteristics? How do these children as adults impact others? Stay here for this fascinating study of near-death. Welcome to the Authentic Living Show, Dr. Atwater. We're so glad to have you here today. Well, uh, well, it's fun and it's a privilege to be there. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate it because this topic is fascinating. I just think death itself is so mysterious, and we want to know so much more about it. And and I don't know what we're learning about death itself, but we certainly are learning about experiences that people have. And so I want to know, what made you decide to do so much research on near death? Well, I died three times in three months in 1977. Each time I had a near-death experience, each was different. And the last one, a voice I can only describe as bigger than the universe, spoke to me and said, and I quote, test revelation. You are to do the research. One book for each death. Uh, book one was not named. Book two and three were named. Book two is Future Memory. It's out there if anybody wants it. And book three was A Manual for Developing Humans. That also is out there if anybody's interested. And um, I was not shown how to do the work, but I was told that this is the work I'm to do. I'm a cop's kid. I was raised in a police station, so I used police investigative techniques as my protocol. I've been doing this work now since 1978 with nearly 5,000 adults and children. I've written 18 books on the subject or about the subject. You can certainly find out about these on my website, which is just myname.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Three deaths in three months. That's pretty Yeah, I, I, I look back at it, Andrea, and I call it the heavenly sledgehammer effect. Wow, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and and we can read about those incidences in your life, in your books, too, can't we? Um, I have some little books out about my own experiences. I'm now working on a larger book, sort of a memoir, but that's not done yet. But if you're interested in the smaller books, they're certainly out there on Amazon.com. Okay, good, thank you. And so, they have a very simple title, Andrea. The title is, I Died Three Times in 1977. <laughs> well, there it is. That, original story. Original title. Yeah, that's, yep, yep, that's very original. So um, how did you get involved in research about near-death for children? What, 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 I know we, we, we commonly think about near-death in, in adults, but we're not so right. much in children. So what, how did you get involved in that? 
Well, I started seeing him from the beginning. And I, oh, and really? I was and you know, this is very curious to me. Yeah. And so in the 90s, I decided to um, take all of my efforts and what I was doing and just focus on children, which I did. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was the first book that came out. It was called The New, the New Children and Near-Death Experiences. And um, my research base then was birth to the age of 15 years. There were not very many teens or tweens that participated in fact, most of my um, uh, most of the children that ex- um, uh, were between seven, seven, seven years old on down, uh, going toward birth. So I thought, um, you know, there were so many anomalies, so many things that were different from anybody else that was talking about near death experiences, and even from my own work. So uh, um, I just, uh, you know, I ask other people, well, why don't you try this? Why don't you do this? Nobody would. So finally, about, oh, three or four years ago or so, I decided I've had enough of this. Um, you know, this really has to be looked at, and it has to be looked at deeply. So I, I decided, instead of going after more kids, like from four years old up to maybe their 20s or the young experiencers, I'm going after the mature ones. So I went after people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s who could verify having had a near-death experience specifically between birth and the age of five. In other words, I wanted the little ones. And believe it or not, this lady who was 82... She had a younger sister who could verify her experience. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but, but anyway, I, I sent that out. It, well, in essence, I was looking for essays. And boy, did I get... Ah, they, they were so touching that wow. many of the essays were so tear-stained I could hardly read them. It was just, it was, it was phenomenal, the information I got back. And um, it helps us then, as Dr. Bruce Grayson says, to, 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 to have the full round uh, so we can have the, uh, these near-death experiences and their effect from birth up to the 80s. Um, so the Forever Angels, the book I wrote, gives us the full round from the little kids to middle-aged to older. And we can see then, finally, the after effects. Yes, yes. Well, as I told you just before our show started, I I realized I'm beginning to really accept the fact that I had a near-death experience when I was nine months old. And I want to talk about that for just briefly um, I w- and I can verify it was a newspaper article, and my sister remembered it very vividly as well. Um, I was, uh, my mother gave me to a child, a 10-year-old child. To uh, We lived in, North Port, in Longport, New Jersey, near the Intercoastal Waterway. And uh-huh. uh, this little neighborhood neighbor child came up and asked, uh, could she take me for a ride in the stroller? And my mother said yes, and my two older sisters went with her. And she walked about two and a half blocks down to the bulkhead. 
and took me out of the stroller and sat me on the bulkhead to see the water. And apparently I couldn't sit very good because I fell in the water. Oh, and, dear. Yeah, and uh, she, you know, of course they got scared and my, my sisters went running back to the house to get my mother. That was about a, a block and a two and a half. And, uh, and they ran back to get my mother and my mother came out of the house and started screaming that my, her baby was in the water. And uh, she couldn't swim, so she didn't know what to do, so she just was panicked. And the neighbor man heard her, and he was—he had been—he had worked a night shift and had slept in, and, and heard her yelling, and came out of the house and figured out what was going on after talking to her. Then he ran down the street another two and a half blocks. All this time, I'm in the water, and uh, then he dove in, and he had to go down three or four times to get me out of the water. And then, you know, they pulled me up on the bulkhead and they called an ambulance and they uh, at some point resuscitated me. And all my life I thought, well, they resuscitated me. I never really thought that I died. But now I know that children, infants, die within just seconds of being underwater. Right, right. And, and so I, I, know, I know I must have died, but I, I can't remember it. I don't remember what happened. All I can tell you is that I love water. And I, it does not frighten me at all. I love it. it. It's a very safe place for me. And, uh, and, and I do have some of the experiences that you talked about forever. You know, I have a strong intuition yeah. and a lot of empathy. And I'd all be that very kind of interested in it after after effects, after uh, what it was like for you in school uh, yeah. and growing up. Have you, yeah. have you always been a little bit different? I always felt like that there was someplace else I needed to be. Yeah. Always felt like that, you know, that the the chapter you wrote in here about want the longing to go home. I've always had. Oh that. my! Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the things that shocked everybody yeah. when I when I did this work. Now this is three hundred ninety seven ninety seven people, so it's a major study. Yes, and seventy four percent. Uh, regretted their experience in the sense that they um, they were homesick, and they never got over being homesick. Yeah, yeah. I just never felt like I belonged here. It was just it was never sense of. I mean, I I, I love nature. Nature, I really belong there. But but with with regard to. Uh, how I interact with people, I've always preferred being alone. <laughs> well, you know, so, you know, you have no way to compare anything. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, if you're a little tiny, tiny one and you have a near-death experience, uh, there's, there's nothing to co- contrast it with. You can't yeah. compare it with anything because there's no before. Yeah. So you grow up yeah. always... Seeing things, hearing things, responding to things in a very different way. A lot of these kids um, go through a lot of bullying because because they know more than their teachers do. They know more than their parents do. They know more than brother brother and sisters do. And so they either stand out or they hide one or the other. And one of the things I really noticed with these kids... Um, 
almost always they begin abstracting at a very young age. Do you know what I mean by abstracting? No, explain that to the listening audience. Yeah, let, let me give you an example. This is a, this is a, a little boy, barely six years old, first grade, li- lives north of Georgia. Uh, 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 well, he lives in Georgia. Um, he drowns halfway through the school year. Um, they were able to resuscitate him and bring him back. He had a near-death experience. When, when he goes back to school, now, bear in mind, all of your listeners, what are kids reading in the first grade anywhere in our great country? It's something like Sea, Spot, Run, Dick, and Jane, Right. Right. This little boy goes back to school, and he is reading Greek mythology and understands it. And he goes up to his teacher, and he says, why was the book Robinson Crusoe ever written? Wow. Well, you know, what's the teacher going to do? She jerked him out of class as fast as she could. I mean, he's abstracting. He's seeing things differently, but he's understanding them differently. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, most people don't abstract until they're uh, maybe 20, 19, 20, 21 years old. Is average maybe a little later than that for, for really abstracting, getting to the reality of what they see rather than what they're told or learn. Right. And many of them had stenesthesia. And, the, and that's, um, that's very common with um, near-death experiencers of any age, but especially children. And I can give you an example of stenesthesia. That's uh, um, a change in the limbic system in the brain where you're sensing alters. Um, I was born with it. No, I'm not a near-death kid. <laughs> but I was born with it. Right. So I was the only kid in the first grade who could smell color, right. see music, and hear numbers. Right. So my sensing ability was kind of upside down from anybody else. And I had to spend most of the first grade on a tall stool in front of the class wearing a tall conical hat that said dense on it as an example of a bad child who told lies. Yes, they really did that when I was a kid. And um, so when the uh, first grade was over, I decided, I was so angry. I was just so angry. And I decided I was never going to be an adult when I grew up because adults are stupid. <laughs> of course, I became a stupid adult, had to relearn yeah. everything, but that's an example. They're sensing, um, uh, are, their sensing mechanisms are different from what most people have. Right. Yes. Yeah, and we'll, we're going to talk some more about how that how that uh, all the different things that these children very commonly have um, and we just have about two minutes before the break here but I want to ask about you, if you can briefly tell us 
about the experience of the womb. You've had a lot of people talk, or children talk about their Oh, my dear, one the third of them in my study could, could remember being in the womb. Wow. Um, well over half, almost three quarters, could remember their birth. I had two that were there when they were conceived. <laughs> really, really? One wow. of them drew a picture of it. And when she was old enough to, um, to draw the picture and then show it to her parents, they were so embarrassed, the, the pose they took, you know, in having sex. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and here it is. Here's the picture that their daughter is showing them. Um, and they were so embarrassed. <laughs> but... Yeah. But let's all stop here and and think, wow, how much can we remember? Yes. How much do we know? That we don't know we know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if children can remember being in the womb... And again, we only have like a minute and a half here, but just real briefly, what does that tell us about abortion? Not, not a, I'm not talking about a political thing here. I'm talking about spiritually. Well, you know, it may just stop and think. Um, yeah. What I advise people, women, is um, sit down and pray and meditate meditate and have a real a real prayer session with your child and ask that soul whether or not it is willing to leave if it's willing to leave there's no problem but if that soul wants to stay regardless of conditions then that mother uh, needs to do a rethink okay that's well said, yes. That's well said, yeah. I, I, I think we, yeah, including, including that the soul in the decision-making process is really important. I remember doing that with my kids when I was going to move. I allowed them to decide, ha- help me decide what room they were going to be in and what toys we would sell and things like that. And if we can do that when they're alive, uh, in the physical form, we can certainly do that when they're souls as well. Sure, so, sure. Talk all right, well, we're going to take, a, yes, we're going to take a break now, and we'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Dr. Atwater on, on near-death experiences in early childhood. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. 
You are experience experiencing itself. On Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, Dr. Veerdra Jackson presents stories and powerful guest experts from business, health, relationships, and faith. Every story has its flip side, and we are here to delve into the story and challenge you to view what has kept you in a singular mindset and turn it into the flip side. When you can effectively do that, you'll experience necessary growth. Tune in live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Dr. Atwater about near-death experiences in early childhood. And uh, we were talking during the break. We can't just stop talking about this. It's fascinating. So we were talking during the break about children who don't remember it. What, you know, what if you don't remember that you had a, what, what happened during your near-death experience? What can you do with that? Well, you want to look at the, the after effects. And, and this is true also of adults. Uh, anybody of any age, um, if you had um, a crisis of some kind, if you don't have those after effects, then you did not have a near-death experience. If you have them, you probably did Um, because the after effects are quite plain. Um, They're quite true. They're quite strong. These, these people have an understanding of other worlds that, you know, most people don't have. Um, they, um, this thing about unconditional love, um, they come back with talents they didn't have before. Uh, they, ha- they come back with an understanding of life they didn't have before, and that stays with them. It doesn't quit just because the life gets rough. It stays with them. Um, and, and so I, I, I really recommend that if, if, you, if you're not that familiar with near-death experiences, get the big book of, of near-death experiences. It's the world's only encyclopedia of the near-death experience. And when I say encyclopedia, don't get scared <laughs> because it's written in a way that uh, you... you you get what I'm saying very, very quickly. There's lots of pictures. There's a lot of drawings and all kinds of things. The big book of near-death experiences. And all of the royalties that you get from that book don't go to me. They go to the International Association of Near-Death Studies. Um, and, and I deeded, if you will, or gave all of my royalties to IANDS, I-A-N-D-S, and by the way, they're going to have their big, big conference uh, in a week from now. It's when it starts, early September. And if you will want to 
plunge right into all of the aspects of the near-death experience, you want to you want to uh, uh, get on uh, iands.org. So it'd be www.iands.org, and and find out about the the conference. Come aboard. And I also publish a free monthly newsletter. Um, so, you know, get on my website, myname.com. Get over to um, newsletters. There's an archive so you can check on past issues and then sign up. Uh, I warn everybody, though, my newsletter, hold on here, Andrea, my newsletter is only for the curious. So if you're not curious... You won't like my newsletter. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well said, yes. That's that's well put. Uh, yeah, so, okay, so they know about other worlds. They know they're, uh, they're, they're sometimes psychic. What are the other, some of the other gifts and well, traits? Well, not that, sometimes, uh, my, dear. If you weren't psychic before, you become psychic after. If you were psychic before, you become very psychic after. Okay. So okay. it, it it's part of the after effects, right? So what are the other? So what are some of the other gifts and traits that they might have after a near death experience? Well, now if we're looking at children themselves, so we're looking at these little bitty ones. Uh, what I'm drawn to and highly proficient in math, science, and history, ninety three percent. Mine works differently than before, eighty four percent. Uh, significant enhancement of intellect, 68%. Uh, um, um, birth, uh, so, so if we're talking about birth to the age of, mm, let's say, um, uh, six years old, those that tested out genius when they were old enough to take the standard IQ test, um, it's testing out between um, 150 to 160. Now, now that that's your genius scores, 48 percent. Wow! So it's really jumping up um, the intellect. Now um, we've got some other things going on here, <clears throat> of course. A lot of them, um, vivid dreams, 70%, aware of the future, 61%. Uh, we, a lot of them come back as empaths, 84%. Highly intelligent, 75%. But they don't bond with parents. It's, this, is, this is one of those things you're going to recognize right away. 90% do not bond with their parents. The reason is they're still on the other side. So they're not bond. That doesn't mean they don't love them. They just don't bond with them. Mm-hmm. And and that that can be serious. Doesn't always have to be, but it can be. Um, you know, if they had the uh, uh, early like you did, uh, where they're not even four or five years old, you, you've got a uh, a child that, that does not think like other children. They're going to be very different. Right. Right. You know, um, a couple of months ago, I had a, a telephone call. I don't know how he got my phone number, but he did. Well, he was a cop. 
it was a cop in New York City. And he was about 48 years old. And he had just read The Forever Angels. And he had had uh, this kind of experience when he was two years old. And he was crying. Andrea, this man was crying. He, he said, this, this is the first time in my life I've been able to understand why I'm so different. This is a 48-year-old cop in New York City, and he's crying. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like a wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that realization comes late. I, I had an experience when I was 36, 37 years old where I felt like I finally came back into my body for the first time. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't know that I was, I knew that there was something wrong. I knew there was some kind of distance between me and my experience, but I didn't understand why. And then I, you were kind of different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, let's talk a little bit about these out of body experiences or OBAs. Uh, Children have a lot of them, especially babies. Um, even if they're perfectly normal kids, um, adults have them too, although they don't acknowledge them, but children have a lot of these kinds of things. Any, any child who's in a compromising position, especially if they feel threatened, will leave their body. Um, that's a way they have to protect their soul. Uh, protect who they really are, their true identity, they'll leave the body until they're safe enough, and then they'll come back in. Um, this happened, uh, you'll, you'll, get the, um, you'll get the story in the book, Alma, mm-hmm. um, she was uh, two years old, and uh, it was a family friend, a male, who got into her bedroom, shut the door, and, and, and raped her. Mm. And um, she almost died because his stomach was so big, he uh, flapped over her um, nostrils, she couldn't breathe. And she left her, her body looking back, down. Um, please understand everybody, especially if you're a therapist. If a child does something like this under those kinds of addition, um, uh, conditions, or especially if they're frightened, that's a defense mechanism. It is yes. not a typical out-of-body experience. It is a defense mechanism. Right. Right. Absolutely. The way yeah, of being That's saved. the way you have of saving yourself. Yes. Absolutely. That's right. Well, now that you said that, I want to talk a little bit about what you said about PTSD and how we could uh, know the difference between the NDE and the PTSD. Well, uh, first of all, let me let me point out that these kids come back with a, with incredible abilities. Of course, um, many of them use those abilities; some don't. Um, but I. I I want you to remember that the percentage 74. 74% really had incredible lives. Some of them became millionaires. That same figure, 74%, either 
tried to commit suicide afterward to get back or had serious longings to go back to the other side. And one of the things I want to point out for everybody here is we don't understand a child's, uh, uh, the, the way a child will look at something like this. A child will say, oh, I was in this very beautiful place with all the loving people and the bright lights and all, all this love, but I wasn't breathing. Oh, but now I'm breathing, but I'm not there. Mm-hmm. The people, you know, they aren't that loving. So yeah. the child's logic will say, aha, the way to get back to the loving people is to stop my breathing. So you see, a child does not see this as harmful. Right. For a child, that's perfectly logical. Yes. Um, so we need to understand a child's logic. Well, when I was really looking at these cases, um, 34% were positive about having had a near-death experience. 61% were negative. And if you get it, uh, there's, a, there's a real... There's a whole chapter in the book just for therapists like you uh, and anybody else who wants to understand this, and it's called PTSD versus NDE. And uh, for a child, it's all about home, guilt for wanting to go back, betrayal for getting kicked out. They're homesick. That's all it is. They're homesick. Um, one of the things I say to parents is teach your children visualization techniques. And that way they can go back, stay for a little while, and then come, to, come back to regular life where, where they are now. Uh, they, they need to understand that, that they're here for a reason, so they always need to come back. But if they want a little recess, they can just do you know, a visualization and go back there for a little while and then come back again. That one simple technique, that simple, will take care of this homesick for heaven. Yes. Simple, simple, simple. And that's all they need. Yes. Yes, I agree. I recommend meditation very, very frequently as a therapist to my clients for that reason, uh, that I know it takes them home to their soul. But if they had one when they were little, little, little visualization that really makes a difference if you get into the first book i wrote uh the new children and near-death experiences um there's a large section in the back for different techniques there's a large resource section in the back so if you wanted to pursue that further you certainly could yes absolutely very good that's all for therapists yes so uh so PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. I want to clarify that for our listening audience. That means that somebody can have uh, flashbacks of, of a traumatic experience and they might have nightmares about a traumatic experience and they might have avoidance of the place that they've, that, or the place or the stimuli that has to do with the traumatic experience. Um, and that might last for a short time or it might last a long time. But Wonderful. But with little kids, it's just a little bit different. For okay. them, it's, it's you know, um, they want to go back because they're homesick. 
That's right. That's right. Very different reason. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not necessarily uh, having nightmares or flashbacks, but they they are having right. memories of their. They're their, just homesick. Yeah. Just, yeah. That that woman who was eighty two years old, she was still homesick. All those eighty two years, she was yes, homesick yes, to go yes. back. Yes, I can relate to that. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that's how meditation helps me so much. That uh, meditation, visualization, meditation, where I, I can be, be in that really peaceful place, and it really oh, does yeah, help. Oh yeah, makes a big difference, sure, yeah. for everybody. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to take another break right now, and we'll be back in just a few minutes with some more from Dr. Atwater on near-death experiences in early childhood. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Things Worth Considering, featuring host Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourself, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore who we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in each week for Advancing All Women, hosted by Sarah Alter, the President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. Hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color to developing and engaging male allies to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19, Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Listen every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free. 1-888-346-9141 That's 1-888-346-9141 you can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Dr. Atwater about near-death experience in early childhood. Uh, she is one of the premier investigators, researchers on this topic, and we're very glad to have her on the show today to talk to us about this. So, uh, what are some of the fairly standard markers we can begin to look for in children to ascertain whether or not they've had a near-death experience? Well, certainly, uh, um, you can engage children in conversation if they seem a little different. You might engage them in conversation to find out, well, you know, uh, um, what else might you remember? What else do you remember? Um, tell me about it. 
a lot of the kids will talk about lights. And uh, um, I really bring to the fore this business of light. A lot of people say that a near-death experience is a white light experience. No, it is not. Uh, Certainly we have a lot of lights, but they can be different colors. Uh, um, What I find a lot is that some kids will say there was a lot of light, bright light, maybe have gold or silver in it, and um, others will say, no, it was a very dark light or a black light, sometimes has a little purple in it. And uh, others will say, but it's such a powerful, powerful light. Uh, ad- adults will, will say, it's a light that's so bright, you're, you're fried. Uh, but, uh, but it doesn't hurt, you know. <laughs> so a really, really powerful light. Well, the kids go on to explain this very, um, very carefully. And, 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 and they'll say that this really, really bright light that um, sometimes white, sometimes just very clear, just very bright. That they call that father light, and this light that's very dark or black, they call that mother light. And this really powerful light that that's just um, so powerful you can't even describe it. They call it God's light, and the children are very specific. They say that the that the father light and the mother light, they both come from God's light. So I, I love that. I just love that. And, and, you know, a lot of these kids will have a black or dark light experience. No, folks, that's not negative. Not at all. There's something very um, almost magical, very healing, very incredible about that kind of light, you know, uh, again, 397 pe- people in this study, and I've, I've, got, um, I've got a good percentage of them who had black light experiences or dark light experiences instead of the other kind. And, um, and, and when you're looking at these kids, these specific kids uh, who had that, birth to the age of 15 months, if they had a dark light experience instead of the other kind, when they were old enough to take the standard IQ test, 81% were scoring 150 to 160, some of them 200 and above. There's something about that light. Uh, And I'm absolutely convinced in myself, I hope some doctors are listening um, these cases um, that you read about in the Forever Angels, that's happening when um, the basic flooring is being laid in the brain and also for the, the, the basic circuitry for the nervous system, skin sensitivity, uh, digestion, all of that. Is being those early circuits are being laid in the brain, so it's during that time when that early circuitry is being laid in the brain. If a child has a near death experience, they will skyrocket almost out of place of the average human, 
and they come back either very, very psychic, psychic or, um, or very intelligent or very, very... Uh, they just don't plug into society uh, like we'd think they ought to. In my research base, I had... Uh, I came across a number of, of anomalies. I had three... Uh, who were who were raised in uh, uh, voodoo? Never heard of Jesus. Never heard of the Bible. Never heard of Christianity. And all three of them, in their near death experience, was visited by Jesus, and they knew who Jesus was. Wow! So explain that. I can't explain that. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those wows. How did that happen? Um, and I had uh, about three or four who uh, um, the only reason they came in, the only reason their parents had that, had, had that child was to be sacrificed at Satan's altar. They were satanic people. Mm-hmm. And and one of them, especially, I talk about in the book. In the in the book, what she went through, her earliest experience was at six weeks. She had, let's see, was it? I think it was like seventeen near death experiences by the time she was about ten or twelve. Right. I mean, a horrible life, but uh, but she um, was able finally to understand it and forgive her parents. I mean, you talk about a saint. This gal, as far as I'm concerned, is a saint. I talk about her in the case, or in the book. Um, But I also want to bring uh, to everybody's attention, it's not in the book. Unfortunately, I didn't do it until after I got the book done. Um, And and then I, I wrote six little children's books. It's called the Animal Lights Series. The only place, that you, place you can get it is Amazon.com. And they're all, um, the pictures and everything are, are all done by this prize-winning artist. And the purpose of these books, these, these little animals come from the light. They come into mommy's uh, pocket place, which is the womb, and, and their experiences in the womb. And then being born, sometimes it's a miscarriage, sometimes there uh, might be a problem with the child. Um, so so um, any parent can sit down with their kids, play with these little books, play with the funny, cute little pictures, and say, do you have any memories like this? You know, normal everyday kids. Maybe they had something like that that they can remember. It's like the horse when he rolls around, the monkey busy Betty wiggles, the skunk is oops a baby, the fawn Tommy two toes, the hedgehog wee Willikins, and the kitten Sally Susie Q. And and so the parent, you know, the parents can sit down with their kids and say. Mm. Do you have any memories like Busy Betty Wiggles? And that way they can explore uh, their own children. 
And there's no other books like this anywhere in the world I know because I researched it. <laughs> so, yeah, try these out with your kids. Absolutely. And, it's, and even if a child has not had a near-death experience, well, they yeah. may have had other experiences, yes. Sure, that's what it's for, is the average ordinary kid. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, if, if most of the children in my research base, 397 people, could remember their birth, how about normal kids, everywhere kids, everyday kids, how about them? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is a way to explore that. Yeah. Yeah, so what do we learn about the afterlife from these experiences? Well, with the little ones, it's very different. Some of them would talk about reincarnation, but very few. Most of them were not interested. Now, in the book, there's drawings and stories from the, from the few that could remember. Uh, but most of them are not interested. They talk about... Um, you could call it like a river of consciousness. And they came from that river, they came down for a life, and then they'll go back. Or it's like a stream of consciousness, something like that. And, and, and this stream just goes on and on and on, and, and sometimes it'll take a little dip, that's a life, and then it goes right back. So uh, they identify w- w- with this incredible river, the, the, this river of of light and and just it's it's like a wow thing, uh, it, you know. I, I struggle for words to you know to use. So do they, because you know what do you call that? It goes on forever. Now an adult will be a little bit more specific, and they'll talk about you know. If you weren't psychic before, you become psychic after. If you were psychic before, you become very psychic after. This is true of, of all near-death near, near experiences. So with adults, they'll go into um, uh, what they learn about life, the living of life, the things that matter, things that don't matter. Many of them will go into the afterlife and they'll talk about different realms and different angels, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, little ones aren't interested. And they kind of look at, at adults kind of uh, strangely and say, you know, I, I'm, I'm just not interested. Um, they don't look at the afterlife like an older teenager or an adult will. To them, it's just a river of consciousness. It's a river of light. Yeah, it sounds like they don't really know of it as an afterlife. They just think of it as part of another part of life. Yeah, that's their home. Yeah. They regard it as their home. And this is just kind of like a little detour or, um, you know, a little special aside or a little extra trip they're taking. Um, 
but the other side, that's, that's home. That's a, uh, that's a, an ongoing river and that's home. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we just have like uh, a minute and a half before we have to close out the show. I'm sad to say, but, okay. um, <laughs> but why do you call them for these children forever angels? Why do you call them that? Um, that's an interesting question. It just popped into my mind. And, and, and you'll notice at the end of the book, we are all forever angels. I think this is what these little kids are showing us, is that we're, we're all that, not just them. We're all that. We're all part of that light. We're all part of that river. We are all forever angels. You, me, everybody else, we're all forever angels, whether we realize it or not. And hopefully, someday, most of us will wake up and realize that. We're not seeing that in the news right now, and, uh, but it's the truth. We are all souls, part of that river. Um, yes. Yes, and I just wish most more of us would wake up and realize that. Yeah, yeah, and that waking up process is often, you know, filled with some some hard stuff too. So we'll, I guess, we're in that journey as we're all collectively in that journey now. Well, yeah, I have we really enjoyed are, talking. Dear. Well, yes. thank you for the privilege of being on your show. Well, thank Don't you for being on the show. This has been delightful. Sign up for my newsletter. Okay, we'll do that. All right. Thank you very much again, Dr. Atwater. And we're going to be back again next week with another show. So be here for that as well. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.